10,000 Arsenal podcast. Six young men from various backgrounds. A young basketball prodigy with more trophies in the last 20 years than Totten and Hotspur. An Irish kid with a horrible haircut. A young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet. A child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more. A handsome young man who learned to play football on the hard streets of Disney World. And a young Mexican AC Milan fan. Hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Ewan. Magic. Aston. Andy. And Miguel. And the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season... Seven. 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 Welcome to the Gooners Pod. Hello. Welcome to the Gooners Pod. This is your host, Aston Mack, once again at the helm. And with me, I have a man who is determined to beat hers at this race to not be the least appearances on the show. Proudly pulling ahead, I have the one, the only, Gooner from Denver. (laughs) Yo, by the way, happy birthday. Hey, thank you very much. It was uh, Friday last week. It turned the big 4-0. Mike and I have our uh, our milestone milestone birthdays in a one-week period. Wait, yeah, three-day period. He's exactly 10 years older than you, huh? That's really – that's a crazy coincidence. He is exactly 10 years older than me, um, and I'm excited to not only celebrate with him, but you in person in a few days from now. Yeah, I, I, it'll be like the uh, gathering of the, well, I was going to say Wonder Twins, but there are three of us, Wonder Triplets. It'll be like the Spider-Man meme. Like, you do TGP, you do TGP, you do TGP. Well, and you were just with Mike, so are you not going to be in, like, Mike Overload? Because you just spent a few days with him, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> listen, for you, for you, for you, I would go through hell. Okay, I, it's all about <laughs> seeing you, baby. You want to get that white arsenal kit that I got for the community service? I know what you're trying to pull. Listen, I I may have ulterior motives. That's true, and I I hear that both of your wives might be around. So. And now, if you're pulling in a day early, she won't be because she doesn't meet us until Friday or Saturday. I forget. One of the two days. I guess I'll just make do with Mike's. Um, Speaking of uh, the carnage that will be coming up, let's talk about the carnage of the last week. Um, We Arsenal happened to play a game of football. And as is tradition, you all know what that means. 
Every week, every week That's until we win the league. Flagged, Last time you and I potted, we kept getting copyright flagged, and not for like the actual copyright shit that we that we did playing. <laughs> no, this one is not. This one has been uh, we've used on every single show, so this is a good one. I, I've made sure I've learned my copyright lesson. I, I feel chastened, YouTube gods. I've I've repented. I will not break the laws anymore. Please do not punish TGP. Uh, we only make about five cents off this podcast anyway. Plus, all the money goes to charity. So in turn, the licensing gods hate. No, they're pro cancer. Yeah, right? yeah. They they love cancer. That's what's going yeah. on. They love cancer, and they want you to have it. Fucking dicks. <laughs> um, we were dicks. Uh, well, you know, speaking of dicks, Mikel Arteta. Okay, one of the things that I loved leading up to this game was that presser where he literally says, "Oh, Trussard's not coming in. Jesus is not coming in. Everybody, we have a very thin squad." And then turns around, like I know. Well, actually, I have an image of all of the Arsenal fans around the world reading the um the lineup. Here it is. We're, like, we're back in like the early to mid 2000s where like Jose Mourinho would fuck with the press and, you know, give it the old like, oh yeah, they're injured. And then, you know, obviously they play and come in. Like, I love it. You know, don't give away anything. And yeah, it's fantastic. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, do you do you like this out of your manager? Would you rather him just not say anything at all? Would you rather him be straightforward? Like, how do you actually feel about Mikel Arteta and the way that he handles the media? I love it. I want someone who has like a level of shithousery to them. You know, like everyone that's not a, you know, Man City supporter or Tottenham are loving the fact that we're like up in the kind of the top of the table and, and, and we're knocking on the door, but then everyone seemingly hates the fact that we're up at the top of the table knocking on the door. And part of that comes from people getting, you know, overly like critical of not only Mikel celebrating on the touchline, you know, saying stuff to in the press, like, I love this. This is all great. It's all part of the theatrics, right? Jurgen Klopp does it, and no one fucking bats an eye because the guy's got perfect white teeth. You know, <laughs> they don't want him to chomp on him. But, like, dude, I love it. If you're going to have a level of shithousery, be the best at it. It's almost like, much like we've seen the evolution of certain players, like, you know, nobody ever talks about how, you know, sometimes managers need to develop too when they get these new little neat tricks they use. And I think this uh, this year has been the year of the mind game for Mikel Arteta. I think the way that he's actually handled going into press conferences, not just, you know, against Fulham, but all throughout the year, he's been kind of pulling this in. I'm, uh, you know, more power to him. I'm here for it. I absolutely love it. Uh, my manager, uh, you, you know how I feel about the guy. But going into this game, it was almost perfectly set up for us to fail. I mean, Man City had played earlier, um, and they had managed to get that 1-0 win, a lucky penalty to uh, and put away by Erling Holland. We drew in the Europa League. You know, a 2-2 draw makes us look like we're losing a little bit of a head of steam. And there was a narrative that, you know, 
Fulham are the up-and-coming London team. They're really going to try to push for Europe this year. Mitrovic has been one of the strikers of the season. Like, there was a lot going in there that kind of made it a little bit of a spicy um, run-in, right? Yeah, I don't – you know, when you look at our run of matches, the last, like, four, five weeks up until, like, Liverpool, you kind of look at it going – yeah, there's a lot of three points here, and I think Fulham was the one on the calendar where I was thinking, okay, that's the tough one, right? London Derby away from home, decent side. Uh, they play London Derbies pretty well, and yeah, so I was nervous for it. I'll be honest with you, Aston. I uh, my wife threw me a party Saturday night, and I didn't get to bed until I think one a.m. So with daylight savings, I woke up at eight forty. My local time, so I think I missed the first 40 minutes, and I thought, I could just go back and watch it, or I could go back to bed. So I checked the score, and so it was 2-0, so I jumped out of bed and (laughs) getting, and I I rewound it, and and then I watched it from the go, but I I was nervous about it. I mean, Fulham are inside, and they're knocking on the door of Europe. you got to respect that. You can't you can't have been that nervous about it if you slept through the first two goals. That's 20 minutes in and you weren't even thinking about it. That is that not representative of a level of ease, maybe? Because before, if you were more nervous, wouldn't you be intent and staring at that number? No, it's it's I'm 40 now, so it's just gotta get those R, you know, those Z's. Like, <laughs> I just want to sleep, you know. Uh, Dude, can I tell you the first thing I did on my like so Friday I turned 40. I legit putting this out there to the world because I might get sued. My neighbors bought this Tesla. Mm. They're like four houses down. They keep trying to drive it as fast as they can down our street. So I went full 40-year-old Karen and went and left a sign on their door saying, you're going to kill the kids that live on this street because we have beautiful day endeavor. So all the kids are outside playing. And they went like zero to 60 in like two seconds. And the kids playing basketball, and I'm like, if that ball rolls out into the street, like most of the kids aren't going to run out there, right? But I'm like, you motherfuckers. So a 40-year-old Karen walked over, put a note on their door, rung their ring doorbell, and then into their camera told them, you're going to kill someone. Stop it. You know, to follow that theme, Asin, now I need my sleep. I wish I could take a videotape of that and like send it back to like 20 year old version of you so that you can see what you would become. You know, you're, you're just a few years off of telling kids to get off your lawn. Oh, I'm already there. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's fucking you outside on their TikToks doing whatnot and who's it. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying as far as your, you know, sleep, you sleep your nerves away. Maybe that's how we'll put it. Maybe you sleep through things that you're, you're afraid of watching, but you didn't really need to be too scared. I mean, obviously we already know the, the score now, three nil Arsenal, very, very easy game, but it going in, it, it felt like it could be tricky, but I think this might actually have been our best performance all year. I know we keep saying that, but like that first half was something out of this world. It was phenomenal. I mean, it took us a little while to kind of find the rhythm, but mm. I don't know many teams in the world. If we play like that for 45 minutes, who are going to come out beating us. I mean, that was a phenomenal piece, you know, granted Fulham, we're missing a couple key pieces, but even with 
their central midfield intact. We just controlled. And I'm, I'm still to this day, like, you know, Zinchenko pops up in like a defensive midfield role and forget that he's our left back because he's there 90% of the game. And it's just smothering to whoever else is in that midfield on the opposing team. Right. It, it always seems like, okay, if you put your left back in a midfield position, you are sacrificing a lot of space out there on the left-hand side. And yet, and yet it seems to never really get exposed that much. I mean, there were a couple of times I saw Trussard back there, Xhaka back there, you know, covering for Zinchenko, but the team's so well-oiled that they know when they need to do that, and it never seems to be at our detriment. And I do think that at the beginning of the game, uh, looking at Fulham, um, Marco Silva, which, by the way, he's doing a great job over there. I think they definitely, fans want him for another year. He uh, He's got them really organized. Like, they press with those two frontmen very very, very well. And at times it was a little bit nervous in the opening 20 odd minutes or so. Like Saliba, Gabrielle were pushed all the way back to Ramsdale for large portions. But then very calmly, very collectively, we just kind of played our way around them. And and like you say, some of the most fantastic football, I think that is that no team would be able to stop. I don't think that a Bayern or a Barcelona or a Real Madrid would necessarily be able to deal with what we did on that day. And that domination kind of um, culminated in that first goal. Obviously, we have the Martinelli offside first. It was a very similar uh, type of thing where we were pressed in. Um, I think it's Xhaka that gives the ball to place the ball to Martinelli. Martinelli obviously marginally offsides uh, and gets his luck and get, gets the goal, but that's chopped off. But then not three minutes later, we're in for another goal off a corner from Saliba's head. Yeah. It, you know, if I were an opposing manager, I would say long ball press over Saliba and Gabrielle can catch him on the back foot. Right. And the only team right now that could really punish us there don't play that style of football, right? In Man City. So we have enough to really like kind of balance that. And on the day, Saliba and Gabrielle can usually deal with that. And they did it well against Fulham. Mm-hmm. But if you press them with three or four good spatially aware players, it's tough. But yeah, I mean, we once that Martinelli goal. Um, went in and even though it was offside I think that was kind of the snowball it was like okay now we found our rhythm let's rock and roll Um, and like you said Saliba's goal comes a few minutes later it that was just the start of it right it was like hey we're gonna unlock them and I I almost feel like calling that offside was probably good for us because it just said hey we're now in that gear let's just keep rocking you know (laughs) Right. And, and and from that, you mentioned his name already. I want to shoot everybody. My favorite image of him that I've ever seen. This is truly rare form. I mean, could you imagine um, him making that, what face he makes when we're actually behind and he doesn't have a hat trick of assists? Like, he, looks, he looks so angry being subbed off. Like any other player would be like, oh, Gabby Jesus, like our, you know, our Eddie's probably like, fuck, you know? And like, dude, the the signing he has been for us, considering the whole like circus around that with with um, other players involved and kind of the last he's involved in it, yeah. But like, I, I, we have we're gonna have a, a really good problem in the next like two to three weeks. Is how the hell do we rotate in Jesus, 
Trossard, Martinelli, and I'll throw in Ketty in there as well, probably a little bit further back in the line. But, I mean, this is going to be phenomenal. But, yeah, that face was fantastic. Yeah, well, what you're hinting on is maybe just very quickly and very subtly, because I don't think that we were making a lot of noise about this, but we went from a very thin squad to an almost very, very attack-heavy squad. I mean, we we went from not having any players to like rely on and having, having to have children on the bench to having a bunch of players that could start for not only Arsenal, but for any other Premier League team. I mean, Trussard, I, I, I'm calling him um, the Sorcerer Supreme now because he always seems to have some sort of magic trick for every situation that he's in, starting with that Saliba goal that was a assist off of his right foot. The next goal, which, by the way, comes after a, a beautiful passage of play from Arsenal, 23 uh, passes. Uh, I, and the most distinct one I'll remember is the one from Saliba with his weaker foot checks back mm-hmm. to uh, facing Ramsdale and just sends the ball flying perfectly into the path of Granite Jaka, who runs down the side, passes it to Trussard. And I think that people don't realize, like, he Jaka really whipped it into Trussard, and he had to take a lot of the sting out of that with his first touch. And then with his weaker left foot, puts a cross in for Martinelli. I don't know what Robertson's doing, by the way. I, I think you've got to at least jump for that. But I, I imagine he was just so stunned by the aura of Martinelli that he's like, all right, I can't. This is this is destiny or or something like that. But, yeah, great second goal. He saw that blonde hair kind of flip over when he put it on his other foot and just stunned. It was like seeing a boy band for the first time, right? His yeah, just he he just wanted to scream. No, that's there were moments in that game where we played out a defense and it was just stunning. I mean, it literally skipped thirty percent of the pitch. It just went defense straight to attack, and then we pinged it around. And you know, someone asked, like, did we? Um, you know, everyone's saying Fulham is a challenge. Did we just, did they not turn up or did we just play really well? I think we just played really well in that first 45 minutes. It seemed like the guys have figured out like, hey, we don't have enough energy to continue doing a Bournemouth, right? We need to just keep going out there or Brentford and just keeping, you know, the pressure on early. And we're good enough to do that. And so I think that's just kind of where, you know, to your point, we can build those attacks and we can wear teams down and we can get people out of shape. The amount of times we talked about in the last pod, Aston, like we all of a sudden will overload the right to flip it to the left. And during that shift is when we're putting shots on goal because now defenders are trying to cover and they're crossing. It's just, it's phenomenal. That, that first half of football was probably one of the best 25 minutes I've seen Arsenal play in the last 10 years. You know what's interesting when you say when we overload one side to play to the other, what I noticed in that second goal that I had never, it's almost like Mikel Arteta was teaching me about football in ways I didn't imagine. You know how you imagine the back four just like right across the line there? We are actually tilted. Like the, the, our entire, like, it looks like we're overloading, but really what's happening is that's just the consequence of us running out of space as the team actually tilts as a whole. Like, 
20, you know, some acute angle degrees against the um, against these um, sides. And it's really interesting to watch the entire team adjust to that as if they just understand how to do that. And I can barely visualize it. I know the math to do that's got to be incredibly difficult. And there they are on the pitch doing it. And there, it's more than just the tactics, though, because there's a swagger about Arsenal right now, right? I mean, I don't think anybody embodies this more than William Saliba yesterday at his back to his prime. I mean, there was a moment before that second, uh, that second goal. I didn't know if he got a chance to see it where he literally takes the ball past three players and then almost scores an absolute banger into the top right of the, the goal. I mean, I just, what was he on yesterday? Didn't he score one against Bournemouth? Like that? Uh, Bournemouth. I think I don't... it was Bournemouth away, wasn't it? Where he put one in from like thirty. Either way, like he has that. He has that in his locker, right? Where you know, and and you're right. Like, that, like to your point of like the team kind of tilters to one side. Like that's when we're confident we're playing well. Saliba and Gabriella are very high up the pitch. Like we give Zinchenko a ton of credit because he pulls into the midfield. But if you actually look at Ben White's like positioning. Dude is sometimes our furthest player forward because he's just attacking and overlapping with Saka. So I think, you know, Saliba has the confidence to take that shot, but that's a confidence in the entire 11 because he's that high up the pitch that he feels comfortable to say like, hey, I can put this on target, right? Um, And I'm all for it. I love it. Speaking of uh, confidence, it was great to see Granite Jaka back in farm. The Terminator on the pitch again. By the way, by the way, I, 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 listen, he may have fluffed his chance that he should have absolutely scored, but penalty box poacher Granite Jaka has returned. I think in the last two games, I've seen him have more, once again, just revitalize this thing that he does like it's almost like the defense just don't expect him to be in the positions that he's in and he just kind of shows up a little late and it was great to see and a good contribution for him i think 100 percent. the dude the guy is is i think silently everyone's favorite arsenal player right i mean like outside of like your outside of your soccer your odegaard like like now, if you're putting like names on a team sheet, he's easily one of the first five names that goes on it. I mean, and, and the guy is just phenomenal. And like even the matches where he hasn't started for rest, you can tell like hey, there's a piece in this puzzle missing. And then when he comes on and he was very lucky not to get a red card. Um, but also like there are moments within the game where you don't see him interacting like you would previous year and i think that's the leadership mentality is that he knows like hey i'm not going to get involved because nothing good's going to come of that um i also love jaka when when the foul happened and he went over to the ref being like you, you know it's a foul and the ref's like yeah i'll give it to you you know <laughs> Oh man, that re- that reminds me that uh, what you're saying about his new leadership qualities um, makes me want to remind everybody of this. This guy, I don't know if you saw that embarrassment. That Jaka, yeah, yeah, Casemiro getting another straight red card. Meanwhile, Granite Jaka has zero this season. Well, and- knock on wood. I, I I do wonder though. Like so, okay, so for like Granite Jaka, like he played out of position for a lot of years, and mm-hmm. um, with Casemiro, like dudes one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. I just wonder if the league is too quick for him. Like not saying that he's a slow player, but I just wonder if it's, you know, he makes these challenges a little too harshly. Whereas in like Spain and Italy players play on the ball more. Right. And so I just wonder if his, 
ability to read the game this season's just been off you know I, I, what I, I think it's twofold. I think that what you're saying is very, very, very close, which is I, I, I don't know that he's a step behind, but what the Granite Jaka comparison was, remember we used to try to put Granite in the six, and that just was not his position. And that's when he used to make all of those last-ditch fouls that we used to see. And that, is that a little bit of what's going on with Casemiro? Not saying that he can't be a six, but because he's got no cover, much like Granit Xhaka didn't have a lot of cover for all those years, is he having to make more rash challenges because the league's a little quicker? Maybe, maybe it's a combination of both Manchester United just being so very shit and the fact that this league's a little faster, that that kind of adds up to this. But whatever it might be, long may it continue. Um, I, I, I love to laugh at United because they said that they were in a title race. And their goal difference is six. Did you six. see that, that, um, that graphic of like when they – it was like a few weeks ago and like I, some United account posted it and how close they were to us and like they were a few points behind us and now it's you – know, I, I anyway, I will say this. For Casemiro's defense, what I just said, just stricken that from the records. Uh, maybe it would help him if fucking half of his players didn't roll around on the ground acting as though they're hurt. I mean, now you even have Manchester United fans being like, yo – Stand the fuck up. Like, Fernandez and Anthony, like, all their fans are like, what are you doing? You're not helping us. You're embarrassing. It's like, like, I saw a lot of that from Ronaldo when he first joined United, but he was a young kid. He was, like, 17 or 18 years old. Like, Fernandez and Anthony are both, like, international World Cup players, and they are the most crybaby asshole player so maybe casimir is like well fuck i'm the only person I, who's actually going to do anything and you know i'm ending up with red cards listen i've not hated a player like i've hated anthony i don't know what it is about that guy that just makes me want to just like just like Zidane Zidane headbutt him in the face. But I do want to tell all the united fans that told me that anthony was going to be levels above martinelli here that's what I've got to say to that. <laughs> but, but but speaking of, because we can laugh about United and their inability to uh, put any pa- any past the uh, a team that's fighting for relegation um, some other time, because we, on the other hand, had a fantastic game. And I do want to get into this third goal here, because I think that there's something happening that's really, really important, which is I think there's a bromance forming. Right. The amount of times that I saw Trossard and Odegaard actually interacting all over the pitch was a revelation because I I don't think that Odegaard necessarily has somebody that's creative in the same way that he's creative to play off of. And I think we've actually been putting a lot of burden, like creative burden on him for the last couple of months with Jesus out. Right. So I I love seeing them to um, them together. And once again, it's Trossard on his weak foot takes a look up perfectly finds Odegaard in the box. And I, I cannot stress how hard it is to get the ball up and down so quickly uh, to get over the players that it needs to get over and then get right back down onto Odegaard. Odegaard faints, well, like one, two times, breaks two players, and we're in for a third right on the strike of halftime. It's a great time to score. Um, 
Yeah, I, it's the two of them just together. It's phenomenal, right? I mean, that what a perfect addition to the team he was. And like I said, it came at such a weird time in the transfer window when seemingly all of our chips were just casting on one player. And he's, yeah. he's really just – it's incredible. It's incredible. And, like, I'll always take a Premier League proven player because that's what you get. There is The only time he has to catch up is with the squad, right? There's no embedding into the league. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you know, Mike's listening to us right now because he's texting me while he's driving. And because I said to him, I can't order something to your house. Do you even live in <laughs> Florida? Now he's texting and driving and listening, which I know for Mike, it's hard for him to breathe and drink water at the same time. So I'm starting to think he's a bot and he doesn't actually exist. And we both met him. Well, like, so it's interesting. I just watched an episode of South Park that did this. And is he maybe using AIs to um, to message you back? Is that possible that you're not really talking to him, but instead one of these, because he does have a lot of money and he does like to waste it on stuff. So I could see him buying a bunch of AIs so that he can respond on Twitter because I've been wondering forever, how the hell does he respond to my Twitter less than a second after I post something? It's Uh, incredible. He did. Okay. Let me ask you this. Was he walking around with a giant battery pack charging his phone the last like two days? (laughs) Because he has like everything notifications on his phone. So, so it's funny because his phone actually died. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. He's he he's a uh, and, and it's got to be because extra battery power to power his AIs. I'm telling you, he's got to have assistance. There's no one man cannot respond that much. It's either that or, and I think I figured it out. You remember in Men in Black where there's like a mm. little alien inside of the man's head controlling the body? Yeah, and that alien has. Obviously, more technical. He's three aliens in a suit. He's three aliens in a suit. Something. <laughs> Mike's just enjoying the fact that this podcast got derailed by him without him even having to show his face this time. That's true. All I'm trying to do is order a goddamn package to his house for him for his birthday, and it is not working. Uh, yeah, and I mean, you're a better person than me. The only gift I gave him was uh, I, my sweet dance moves on that Saturday night. The video is great. You know what? I'm actually going to order three of those things that I showed you, and we're mm-hmm. all going to have them for when you get there, when I get there, and for Mike. We could do a podcast and use them as, like, puppets, you know? Yeah. 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 Perfect. Yeah, I like that. Perfect. <laughs> I just I love that. I'd like that. That's yeah. yeah. Anyways, we uh, we've lost all of our listeners. <laughs> uh, football. Arsenal won a game. It was really good. Odegaard scored. That's what we were talking about. Odegaard. Odegaard yeah. and Trezard. Um, right on halftime, they score. It it was great. Arsenal able to come out into the second half with a, a you know it's funny because the stats will tell you that uh, of course that they had um some more shots. Actually, let me bring them up here. He just told me I'm the Casemiro of Amazon. <laughs> um, so it's looking like like yeah, it's saying that they had 12 shots, and I know of those shots, I think about seven or eight of them came in the second half, even though they only had two shots on target. But 
if you actually deep the stats, they actually created no big chances. So I think those shots kind of flatter them a little more than, you know, the stat show. By the way, these stats I grabbed from Cannon's Canon stats. Definitely check Canon stats out if you guys ever want to see Arsenal related statistics. Great content creator. But um, but yeah, like like I think it flattered them a little bit. It was 45% possession to our 55%, but I never really felt like we were bothered again. I don't know what you thought of it. Yeah, no, you know, it's funny. Like, I was just thinking, like, my dad was in town for my birthday, and he said, oh, you have a tough one. And I said, yeah, but we should really be beating Fulham, like, 2-0 with how we're playing versus them. Mm -hmm. Like, now he's driving, texting, (laughs) listening, and messaging in the group. It's incredible. They uh, they called Thomas Partey the octopus, but I don't know. Mike might need to take that uh, title from him. We gotta find like a defense, like a Jewish defensive midfielder of like <laughs> Thomas Partey esque, and then that's Mike. Yeah. Do, uh, do you know any Jewish players? Well, like. Uh, back in the day, like Benny Yoon used to be Jewish. Ben yeah. remember Ben Ayun used to have that swivel pass that was just so fun to watch. Yeah, hold on, I'm googling uh, Jewish football players. Let's see if we can get a center defensive man. <laughs> and she's coming up with like actual NFL players. Um, by the way, TGP, where we clearly uh, clearly have Arsenal stuff to talk oh, about. Apparently, Matt Turner's Jewish. Wait, Matt Turner's Jewish? It says here, Jewish duo representing U.S., Matt Turner and DeAndre Yedlin. Hmm. Hmm. Had no idea. Had no idea either. Um, man, we really go on with tangents. Uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about how we weren't really bothered in the second half, it felt. No, right? no. I mean, listen, like, Fulham are a good side. They're, there's a reason they're knocking on the door of Europe. And they were down 3-0. They had nothing to lose. What I like is that while we continue to dominate and we, we kept hold of possession, we allowed them to play and we kind of kept up with them, right? Like, we mm-hmm. we, we finished the game you should as a championship-caliber team. You should be able to control the match allow the other team in not give up a goal that there there were moments where our just our midfield was just too good i think Partey for one of those moments like had three Fulham players on him and then all of a sudden he mm. like back heels the ball away from the three of them and all of a sudden he's in like 50 yards of open space and you're like dude it's three nil 70th odd minute and you're just playing with your food at this point I, I remember distinctly at the bar having to continue to say to the screen that I was screaming at, dear Lord, those men have children that are watching. Stop it. It's 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 just rude at this point. I, there's uh, this little bit of Dutch commentary that I love when Odegaard nutmegs one of their players just straight through his legs, and all you hear is the commentator just go, ooh. <laughs> like, like he was saying something in Dutch, and he's ooh, because Odegaard something and it was it was just a fun fun time and i think everybody was enjoying it which is why you got to see for the first time this season Saka was the first sub off reese nelson comes on and then obviously easter came a little early this year because jesus rose he is risen why is it he is risen and not he has risen because they were bad at english back then it's all fake anyway um he is risen (laughs) and uh dude 
I'm even like I know Reese Nelson has is like let's not forget like aside from the goal prior to him being injured like going into the World Cup like dude was on form like he was playing well he was contributing he was subbing in and he was scoring some goals and he was contributing to the team then obviously as Arteta said there was this huge dip and now he's back seeing him substitute in prior like the beginning of the season i'd be like oh god what's he gonna add now i'm kind of like oh man like this isn't an additional set of legs who's gonna do something and Mm -hmm. while he's a little bit quiet and and his and his him being on the pitch was taken away from like jesus Mm -hmm. dude the depth that we have but can i just say like jesus's 15 minutes was it 15 or 10 minutes it looked like he literally has not taken the leave of absence from football aside from that like past to Leno where it kind of like was the ball was just a little bit behind him and he kind of fell onto it. Yeah. Like, he looked unreal. Yeah. What was that, that, that dirty little flick that he did out to Vieira and Vieira, by the way, shout out to Vieira because Vieira does incredibly well. I think that Jesus really should have scored that, but you know, um, but Jesus did uh, there was this other moment where I'm thinking okay he's in he's been injured he's going to take some time to come back there was a defender on his back again and he's just like you know doing the Jesus thing where it's like I I juggle defenders all day it's he's he is something else um did you see by the way Amazon um not Amazon Adidas released a trailer they're doing a little documentary Mm -hmm. yeah I watched it and like you know, when the, the towards the end, when the doctor says like he met his milestones by like days, like yeah. he could have, he could have probably come back a few weeks ago. But the fact that we're in the form we are, it allows you a little bit of leniency to say like, hey, we don't necessarily need you yet. And I think Tom Canton from Football London and our and our uh, sister podcast, and really we Mike and I take a lot of credit, but we did start Tom Canton's career and we gave him the platform. Mm-hmm do what he's doing he did tell us like from the internal workings they were kind of suggesting second leg of lisbon or sporting would have been like his return date so we're i think yeah and, what better game to bring him back the last and when you're up three nothing you can just say to him like go out there and just get just run. you know just get into the game like there's there's no you know Fulham were kind of out of it mm-hmm. you know what better game to do that I, I mean, I do think that there was a lot of pressure on him in this game, and I, I don't think Arteta was thinking straight because if you realized it, Gabriel, uh, Big Gabby scored, Fast Gabby scored. So if you throw on, you know, Holy Gabby, he's going to have to want to score to create the Holy Trinity. And I think there was a lot of pressure on him that we that we just didn't calculate for. But to your point earlier, when you're saying that he isn't. Because of our current situation and the players that we have, he doesn't need to contribute right off the bat on a high, high level, even though it does look like he hasn't missed a step in. This right here is a large reason. Look at this. Look at the contribution of all of our forwards over the season. I mean, you have Bakayo Saka with 11 goals, 9 assists. Gabriel Jesus, 5 goals, 6 assists. Martinelli, 12 goals, 3 assists. Odegaard, 10 goals, 6 assists. Eddie Inkedia, 9 goals, 2 assists. And now we have uh, Trussard, who's only been here since January and has still managed 1 goal and 5 assists. It, the, the amount of production that Mikel Arteta is getting out of these players is just incredible um are you nervous now um are you religious ass then 
No, not at all. Well, didn't like Jesus die on Easter? Isn't the whole? I thought he. No, no. I think he rises. He, 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 he. Uh, that's the third day. After the third day, he rises and he disappears from the tomb or whatever. So from we what? play Easter Sunday is April 9th. We play Liverpool. So what you're telling me is that's the day Jesus is gonna rise. Oh, is that Liverpool? Oh, yeah, that's like five. That's five goals in. That's going to be like an Arshavin performance. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, and let's uh, let's apologize to Mike because he is Jewish, and this is all you know for him. This is all Monopoly type stuff. But to other people, mm. let's respect religions, Mike. Okay. Let's figure out the Amazon thing. Let's also respect other people's religions. Okay. What you're doing is offensive to the greater population of our podcast. And, and honestly, I just, why can't you be normal? I mean, normal. <laughs> are you talking to me or are you talking to him because he's Jewish and you want him to be normal? <laughs> it was the second one. He knows, he knows the answer to that question. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, the Gunners Podcast, where we try every episode... We're, the Gunners podcast where we try every episode to be canceled. We are at, hold on, I gotta shut my office door because my son's about to storm in. Um, we are actually a social experiment and we are, we've yet to get canceled. Yeah, you know, one of these days though, if we maybe if we just believe we can we can manage some level of of offense to somebody's culture that you know they'll just remove us from YouTube and delete our history is what we're hoping for. You know but, he's gonna do it. It's gonna be fucking hers. He's gonna come on here and just raise some <laughs> shit. <laughs> It'll be hers trying to trying to make sure he doesn't have the least appearances. He'll just in the he'll just come on, get his appearance ahead of yours and then just cancel the show yeah no he'll it's like uh you know when we all have to go to court and it's like mike was on the pod for a thousand hours and here's like one minute bitch <laughs> <laughs> but anyways we the reason why we're able to have so much fun because there were there was times not even too too distantly where we couldn't joke like this after a game like we we couldn't enjoy and revel in. There's there's such a mood around our store right now. I mean, I, I I'm not one. I don't really like to watch watch alongs or anything like that. But I actually got sent um you know just clips from all these different live reactions. And when you're looking at AFTV, and AFTV looks wholesome, they look absolutely wholesome now. You, you just have to say the spirit around the the club is is amazing. Oh. One more fun little stat before we we, we kind of do the wrap up there. I did want to bring up the fact that uh, London is most definitely red. We have now gone to every single away ground in London minus West Ham and managed the clean sheet at every single one. Incredible. It is incredible. And like, you know, a few years ago or even last season, like these were the kind of matches where we may have played really well but could only get a draw. Or we played well and we lost one or two nil. And it's like, you know, I, I was just looking. I literally Googled, did Jesus die on Easter? And then I looked up when our fixtures were to see who we were playing on Easter Sunday. And, like, I look at the remaining fixtures. And aside from Liverpool and City, I look at the, every other team. And I'm like, that's three points. Yeah. You know? Newcastle might be another one away at Newcastle. Even, 
but even the way that they're playing, like they they'll do what they did to us. Like Eddie Howe is a great tactician mm -hmm. and he knows how to play the bigger sides. Um, that one will probably be a little bit more open because they're going to be mm -hmm. in that Champions League race. So they're not going to they're not going to come to like they did when they came to the Emirates. Like we're just going to hold out for a draw. They're going to have to go for three points. Let me ask you but, something. You know what on makes it. more nervous than Newcastle, Aston, are the teams in the bottom of the league, like West Ham and and, and the like mm -hmm. Palace. Like they're playing for survival, which is just an even, you know, that's a six point match for them. I actually yeah. agree with you where uh, Crystal Palace has actually got me incredibly nervous exactly because they haven't been good. I always feel like teams always want to like shake their hoodoo off against us. Let me ask you this though. Um, Newcastle away and field away, which, which game are you the most afraid of out of those two? Anfield. I just think that, you know, we have a history there. Um, that's always a tough place to play. Um, that Liverpool team are not as bad as they lead on, you know, to go from like a seven nil thrashing to a one nil. It just shows like on the day you could be playing a very, very good team. Um, and, you know, against us at the Emirates, they looked good. We just looked a little bit better, you know, and so that yeah. one makes me, you know, what also makes me really nervous. If I look at the entire, like the rest of the, is Chelsea. Really? Same thing. They are a dangerous team, and I think once they figure it out, I don't think Graham Potter is the guy who figures it out, but I think once they figure it out, they're going to be hard to play against. I'm, I, I listen, I, I say this every time I say something. I will personally give everyone my address so that when I screw us over because I'm jinxing us or something that like you guys can all come and beat me up. I've already given out, I've already given my address out for saying Granite Jaka doesn't have any red cards and I'll give one out for this too. I am scared of Chelsea at all ever again. Like we've been Mikel Arteta and it's not even just a this season thing. It's a Arteta's had Chelsea's number weirdly over several managers now and I don't know why we keep getting results even when we shouldn't be getting results over them but I, this this is not the Chelsea that makes me they, they're a little bit like how how Chelsea probably used to look at Tottenham or something where it's like I just you're a mess, and I'm not really worried about what anything that any of the qualities you brought. I thought their performance against us was one of the most pathetic performances. And we've beaten, like, uh, we just beat Fulham 3 0. And I think the 1 0 from Chelsea, Chelsea had a much more pathetic performance than Fulham. You know, I, I just, that's just me. And if anybody wants to, you know, you know, you know where I live, okay? I, I don't know. They make me nervous, and I think, like, there was just so much drama around that signing and you could see him just getting his first goal against us. And I, and I don't think it was anything. He clearly wanted to be an Arsenal player. There's, there's no ill will against that guy. He wanted to play for Arsenal, but there were a lot of other circumstances of playing in, for a team from a country at war who needed the money. And oh, yes. running, like there was a lot at stake that he had to take the transfer. He couldn't sit there and wait. Right. So it's like, I get it, but I don't know them and city are the two teams that I look at the table. And I think Ugh, those are the two games where I think we drop maximum points. I, maybe that's P maybe it's PTSD. I don't know. I just look at Chelsea and I just, I think they're a silly club run by a silly man with a silly manager. <laughs> so, 
So it just, I, there's nothing, I, I, I literally, and I mean this, and this is coming from a person, I hate Chelsea, and I've hated them when they were good, and I always was scared to play them because they always did some something stupid against us. But I, I literally look at them and I can't not giggle. Maybe it is my hate for them. But you know what's interesting too, while we're talking about it, because obviously I'm talking about how Chelsea's much weaker than this this year than they've been in seasons past. I'm really starting to get frustrated um, with this narrative. When we were going to Fulham, everybody was saying that this was a bogey game. After we get out of there, oh, well, Fulham really aren't anybody. Once again, I'm feeling that like Arsenal aren't good, everybody else is bad narrative kind of coming out. And I just want to bring back that, uh, here, I have this image here. We have more. We have just as many points as City did in their best year in the last five years. Like, there's no other team that has had as many points at this stage of the season than Arsenal. This this notion that we're somehow in a false position or other teams are allowing us to get ahead kind of subverts the miracle that we're actually watching this isn't if we win the league it's going to be one of the best premier league teams in history well dude i mean look at like we have three losses and three draws i mean that's just absolutely insane and like you know i'm still under and this is just the ptsd i still don't think we win the league i think city will just nip us at the end and now hey we're going to win the league in the next year or two when they get fined and kicked out of the league. But I think they just have a little bit more and I'm just, it's PTSD. Mm-hmm. Let me have this Aston. Okay. I, you, well, listen, I will tell you. All I want to do is bear hug. I just want to hold you and tell you it's okay. Just and be you like, can in a few days. But what I will tell you is like, I've always said to Mike, like ever since we started this, it's great to be in like, first place and and fighting for the league i just want to be in contention i want to be in the like the top four consistently if you look at the lead table right now we are 22 points ahead of newcastle in fourth place or in fifth place right but if you think there's only really what 11 games left in the season i mean we have a seven point lead over them right so we're going to secure champions league football pretty fucking quickly here and that to me is just unbelievable. Like it's- you want to do something fun? This is the magic number chart. So each of those numbers is the amount of points we need to mathematically be like they can no longer catch us. And as you can see, at the top fourth spot, we only need, I think, 30 of the points, right? Yeah. Or wait, no, hold on. For top four, it would be Tottenham at 16. We only need 16 points to guarantee top four out of our last 11 games. That's so, an thing. 33 points on offer, right, with 11 games left? Yeah, yeah. So we need 29 points to guarantee us to uh, to win the league. We only need 16 points to guarantee top four, and that would be St. Tottenham, um, Totterham's day as well. Um, we, we only need 13 points to guarantee us uh, – that will be ahead of Liverpool. I mean, these numbers are insane. We're so far ahead right now that it's not only ahead in the uh, table, but ahead in the project, I think. I think the project is actually blossoming a little earlier than we expected. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing on our side is that like we are playing really well and City are not. Like They are capable of dropping points. And... I think I said it last week, like we don't need to beat City when we play them in a couple of weeks. We need to beat everyone else. Yeah. And there's there's 
I hate to say this, but there are things happening this season that we're going to look back on if we do win the title and go, those were the five moments. And you need those moments in a Premier League run. Like we talked about Adrian Durham saying how lucky we get. You don't win a championship without being lucky in any sport. But for me, the bigger picture is that Arteta is instilling something within the culture of this club. And everyone kept saying, be patient with him. This was the patience we're waiting for where we go down and we have that belief. The fans immediately, when we concede a goal, when Tommy Asu made that mistake against City, what were the first things our fans doing? Singing his name. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was – it's better that I don't join the hype train uh, <laughs> because when I'm negative, my teams usually do well. So you just want me to stay on this path, give, it, give me this, and then I'll join you hopefully in a month and a half. I was actually about to suggest that you sleep the the first 30 minutes of every game for now on until the end of the season. You know, now like the next two weeks are great because out on the like West Coast, uh, Daylight Savings hasn't hit the UK yet. So all the games are like an hour later in the day for me. But I'll happily sleep in because I'm 40 now and I need those, you know, that recovery time. You know, it's funny because I feel the same way and I've, I haven't even gotten there yet. So I, I imagine by the time I do get to 40, it's going to be just all naps all the time. And I'm, I, for one, I'm for it. I'm, I'm stacking up on pajamas. I'm getting slippers. You know, it's, it's going to be just a grand old time for me. You know, Aston, um, those are the key, like, you know, people go through life and they think like, oh, I need a fancy car and oh, I need a big house and you, you just need a good pair of slippers and a good pair of fleece pants, you know? <laughs> I have never heard truer words. Say. Like, I'm looking for the lie in all of your words, and I can't find a single one. I think we should start our own podcast, Growing Old with Aston and Andy, and we'll just give people <laughs> advice on what to do to just be comfortable as they, they die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think people will watch I, I think people will watch that um, I, you know and I did want to just kind of uh, wrap it up a little bit here because I think that as much as we could just sh- sit and shoot the breeze Arsenal have put us in that position right where we are this relaxed I, I, I think the first time I was on with you it was like the first time I'd ever been on an Arsenal podcast I just remember being stressed and like yelling about Granite Xhaka for 15 minutes and it's mm-hmm. like what a different world we are in. And like you, like, listen, I will be incredibly disappointed if we don't win the league. I think that that would suck. But honestly, every time I think about it, I honestly am saying, but I'm I'm counteracted by the amount of pride that I have in this team and how proud I am to be in and among it once again, that I see a vision from Mikel Arteta, that I see a player, like you said, Tommy Asu came on in the 70th or 80th minute almost, and they were singing Tommy Asu's song. I mean, just enjoy it. There was a boat full of art. There was a booze cruise of Arsenal fans at Fulham. Like yeah. there was a literal booze cruise. Like just sit down and enjoy it. Like whether we win the league and trust me, I want to win the league. I don't want to sound uncompetitive, but just it's been rough and I'm just enjoying it. Dude, you have to. And like, look at Man City, right? Like with all their success and yeah, they bought it and and their fans know that, but like every season, what's their goal? What is their ultimate goal? It's Champions League. 
Yeah. I mean, and they never win the Champions League, but they're always in it. And every other fan around the world would bite off your hand to be in the conversation consistently semifinals of the Champions League because it means you're in it and you're part of the big kids. And we are part of that now. And the squad is so young and we've got an ownership group, no thanks to you, who sat down with him in the summer and slapped him silly. Actually, I think I'm going to be, when I get back from Denver uh, or Florida, I think I'm going to an event with Josh. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like all the pieces have come together and all the, all the right pieces are there. And you've got to thank Arteta, Adu. You've got to thank the Cronkies because we're now in the conversation. And that's all I've ever wanted. And I think what's going to hurt the most, Aston, is if we don't win the league, it's because we've been five points ahead for so long and consistently. We've come back and, and given us the points. But to your point, all of this culminates to one thing we're in the conversation and we're back. We're playing competitive football and it's fun to be an Arsenal fan. Yeah. It, and it's like all of the little things. It's like what we were saying before. It's the booze cruise. It's Gary Neville. I listen, Gary, don't ever change. Okay. Keep being who you are because you, you give me such, such good memes. So, so good. So, so good. I mean, I just, you, the, the amount of delusion that has gone through that guy in the last, several years it's been just a, a fun ride to watch right and it's watching all these rival fans unable to cope with the fact that arsenal are good again they can't take the make out of us it is watching our players look like they're actually enjoying being out there and playing for the badge and it's the fact that before every single game they do a team huddle and then at the end of games i see zinchenko bow wow wowing to um we have super make our t- it's all of this and i you know, like you were saying about Manchester City, yes, everybody would swap places with them so that they could be amongst it. Every single person would bite their hands off. But what we wouldn't bite want is their atmosphere. They have never had the atmosphere. Maybe back when they won the league for the first time, the Aguero moment. That's the one time I've seen like, okay, their fans really came out and really just reveled in it. But like right now, the way that the connection between the fans, the teams, I, I, don't, I don't see it anywhere. And in fact, and I'll go and say this, the atmosphere I saw at Bournemouth was the best atmosphere I've ever seen in any stadium for as long as I've watched football. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's It's got to be so much fun to be at and attending all of these games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this team is young and bar injury, it's going to long continue. All right, brother, I need to jump on an actual work call and do some work. Yeah, I was about to say, we've waffled along for uh, enough of this. Do you just last words before you go? Anything? Uh, I'll see you in a couple days. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody, this has been TGP. Long may the uh, fun days continue. TGP out. <laughs>
The Gooners Podcast has been brought to you thanks to a generous investment from Elon Musk, as well as the letter G and the number 69. Remember, Gooner family, that taught and get better everywhere they go. TGP out. Thank you.